Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. All these girls gonna be in the league? Hello, gorgeous. Female fight club. All men must die, but we are not men. Damn it, Kristen! What do you think happened to Karen? Lauren. Girl, her name is Kimberly. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second episode of our Citizen Dame Awards. Last episode, we gave out our acting categories honoring Army Hammer and everybody else that did awesome <laughs> stuff this year, but mainly Army Hammer. <laughs> and this week, we are doing the movies, the films that made us laugh, cry, irritate us to no end, all of that. Okay, so I'm joined this episode by Karen Peterson. Hello. And Lauren Humphreys-Brooks. Hello. Kimberly Pierce is not with us this week. She is celebrating Christmas a little bit early, but we will have her list of movies on the website when this episode goes up so you can hear or see her thoughts when she has uh, time to write them all down. But we are going to start with, I do want to throw out one question before we actually hand out the first award. Was 2018 a good year for movies? The immortal question. I say yes. Yeah. I don't only say yes, I say hell yes. Okay, so I think this bodes well for our awards this episode. We have a smaller list, but we have an awesome amount of categories. So we're going to start out with best foreign language film. I'm going to abstain from this one because I only saw two foreign language films this year. Yes, I am a horrible American. I understand this. I will try to do better next year. But uh, Karen, or Karen, Lauren, where do you guys want to start with your lists? Uh, well, I guess I'll, I'll start because I only have two, unfortunately, because um, although there have been some great like foreign language films that have been reviewed really well and everything, I just haven't gotten around to seeing them yet. I still haven't seen Shoplifters. Um, I haven't seen Long Day's Journey in tonight. I did not get to see the whatever 16-hour uh, French film that was on at a New York Film Festival. But I did see Roma, which I still think is a, is a brilliant film. And I also saw um, Tigers Are Never Afraid, which I've sort of pushed and pushed about. And I don't know when, it's, when or if it's going to get an American release, but it's an excellent film. I saw it as part of Fantasia Fest, and uh, it's, it's just... It's fantastic. So that's my other one. Roma, I did see. I did see that. And I really liked it. I had criticisms of it that I feel are valid, but I'm not going to show them here because <laughs> there's a lot of pushback if you say anything is wrong with this movie. I will say it's, it's beautiful. And uh, the, the lead actress is great. And I did find it to be worthwhile. So that would have been on my list. I just didn't want to do two. So I'm glad Lauren, glad Lauren did too. So that's included on mine. Karen, what about you? What are your three best foreign language films of the year? So my, so I, I've seen a few foreign language films this year. Definitely not as many as I'd like. And there's still a couple of shortlisted um, doc features that I need to catch up on, like Shoplifters. But um, a couple that I really enjoyed... Um, at AFI Fest, I saw Rafiki, which is a film that is from Kenya, and it's by a female filmmaker, and it's about two girls who they fall in love, and this is, um, homosexuality is completely illegal in Kenya, and so the film itself was banned there because of the themes, and also, even just before it ever 
was finished and had the opportunity to be banned, they had to be super secretive about when they were filming it because everybody involved could have gotten arrested, could have been prosecuted for it. Um, but the film was completed. At some point, Kenya did temporarily lift the ban so that it could be screened, but um, it they didn't even ultimately select it as their official selection for the Oscars, which is really unfortunate. But it's a, such a sweet film, and... I really liked it, and I hope that people get a chance to to seek it out and watch it. It's not anything that's, like, earth-shattering, and that's actually what I really liked about it. it. In tone, it felt a lot more like Love, Simon than, like, this, you know, contraband movie that you have to, like, be sneaky about. It, and that, I think, is what was so great and um, made it kind of that much more special, I think. Um, and then Roma, of course, uh, that... I've seen it twice now. I watched it again. I still have my concerns that I had the first time. I feel like it's very, um, it's a very, uh, what's the word? Um, just a very detached look at the characters that the story is supposed to be about, but it's beautiful. It is one of the most gorgeous films of the year, just on a technical aspect and looking at the cinematography, the the scenery everywhere like this the locations are just beautiful and the people are beautiful and just everything about it it's it's a gorgeous film and even if i would not call it one of my favorite films of the year i definitely believe it's one of the best films of the year and um, my number one i pick burning because that's the south korean film and that's one that uh the film itself like the story is just it's not anything like new or groundbreaking. Um, it has a lot of, you know, it has kind of a Hitchcock feel to it. And um, there's the central mystery about it. The main actor is really not very good. He's kind of like, he's not very believable as the kind of character he's supposed to play. But Steven Yun is in it and he plays the villain and he's so good. It's a part that I haven't seen from him before. And he just, he was really fun to watch and he actually makes the whole movie worth it and it's got an ending sequence that is just so it's very surprising and I really enjoyed it those are my three I would also throw out Lila Alves is the chambermaid that's the other foreign language film I saw this year which is a really really good movie that similar to Roma is about a uh, maid and her day-to-day -day life. It's a very slow burn, but it's very well done. I, I really enjoyed that. I think I might have actually liked it more than Roma, but two very different films that look at subject matter that is similar very differently. So yeah, foreign language film. Moving on to best documentary. So we, uh, well, I know Lauren and I kind of cheated. We were supposed to do three, but this was a really great year for documentary. So we went a bit further with ours. So I'm going to let Karen go first with documentary. Because I'm a slacker and haven't seen enough of them. Is that what you're doing? <laughs> you're this, to... was, this was foreign language <laughs> film for me. Yeah, there you go. I I really am such a slacker, you guys. I have not seen My Name the Gap or Free Solo or Won't You Be My Neighbor or RBG or Quincy or any of How the others. Not that I'm seen so RBG. I just I haven't seen it yet. Now I know it's on Hulu. I'm watching it it's this week. It's on CNN. <laughs> I, I, 
I'm never home. <laughs> Maybe she spent less time hanging out with Ryan Gosling and Justin Theroux, slutting it up with Karen Peterson. You would have time <laughs> to watch the fine slate of documentaries that come out every year. So, so Karen, Karen has has just been slutting it up too much, and and uh, that's why she hasn't seen enough documentaries. All right. I mean, why would I watch a documentary about Ruth Bader Ginsburg when I can hang out with the people that play her? So you know, you weren't hanging out with Ruth Bader Ginsburg though. So. I know. I would totally do that, though. Because <laughs> she is yeah. a queen. Um, okay, but I did. That's all. We say this with love, and we, we want Ruth Bader Ginsburg to get well as as well, if, if you guys haven't Absolutely. heard. Absolutely. That is so, that, it's scary. Um, yes. Yeah, we yeah. do really hope that she... Uh, recovers very quickly so that and... she can go back to to being a warrior and slutting it up with all of us it it makes me sad <laughs> that in the climate that we're in she can't just rest easy and take you know take the opportunity to retire like she has to keep fighting like mm-hmm. it uh, I, I i feel for her <laughs> it's like oh she should be able to just say okay i've done my work and anyway that's a whole other topic um so a couple of documentaries I did see and loved this year. Um Always at the Carlisle, which is just such a fun and just joyful experience. There's not any sort of depth to it. It's just a whole lot of just stories. That, that I want to watch the outtakes. There are like hours and hours and hours and hours of footage and I want to just watch it all because the stories were so great and I loved it. I actually also got to talk to the director and he was so much fun. And that's a, if you haven't had a chance to watch that one, check it out. Um, And then another one was a very small um, documentary that I don't think anybody saw. The only reason I got to see it was because I got to interview the director. And that is a movie called Heart of Nuba. And it's about a doctor from the United States who is living in Kenya and he in this like tiny rural village where he's constantly in danger the village is constantly in danger and he just has built this thriving medical practice and he's been training locals who don't have access and opportunity to go to medical school he's been training them um, and teaching people basically how to be nurses and doctors. And it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty amazing story. And he's one of the most humble people ever. Cause he doesn't want any sort of attention for it. And just getting the documentary made was a really long process because he was very resistant to it for a long time. And then my favorite documentary of the year. And if it doesn't get nominated for a Oscar, it's really going to be a shock and that is three identical strangers so amazing and i know that probably at least one of you have also mentioned that so i'll let you talk about it. all right lauren what is your five best or four best documentaries i know you had four uh well i i do have three identical strangers on that list just just and yeah i agree with you karen i think we talked about this earlier in the year that this is like one of the most one of the most fascinating and shocking but also and also sad and moving and and really just really well made documentaries i think that has come out this year um the other i have actually heard of the heart of nuba uh which i did i believe it was on at tribeca and i did not get to see it but um i'm glad to know that it's a good film and i would like to see it at some point um i also have won't you be my neighbor which you know just like 
I started sobbing about 10 minutes in and did not stop. Uh, and I also have RBG, uh, because of course, which I actually did not see until fairly recently. Um, it just kind of passed me by in, when it initially came out. And, um, and you know, again, a fantastic film and a, a, just a very interesting look at um, a really remarkable woman who we are all, of course, willing to donate our organs to. So let's keep going, RBG. Uh, and then finally, I just wanted to give a shout out to Love Gilda, which um, was is a, the documentary about Gilda Radner. It was on at, um, I believe, at the New York Film Festival. It's just, a, it's a fantastic film and so moving and such a beautiful uh, kind of love letter to Gilda Radner and uh, and really worth seeing. Like it's, you know, in, in terms of the whole arc of documentaries, it's probably a, a lesser documentary in the sense that it's not as important as some of the other ones that have come out this year, but it is a fantastic film and very moving and a very wonderful look at this uh, fantastic comedian who has just not been given enough uh, accolades. So those were mine. I will say Love Gilda almost made my list. And if you have CNN, it's actually going to air New Year's Day and you can watch it if you missed it. You should watch it. It's really good. It almost made my list, but it did not. This year was really good for documentaries and I I watched a lot of them that I could have easily done maybe about a top six or seven. Um, Karen and I actually have the same five and one. So my five is always at the Carlisle. Yes, I understand it's a 90-minute advertisement for a hotel that I will never be able to afford to stay in. But, but I definitely want to go to that cafe. <laughs> exactly. I just want to hang out in the ambiance and just feel that old Hollywood vibe. I am a sucker for these makeshift advertisement documentaries. I loved it. Uh, RBG would also be on my list. I think that it's a great companion piece on the basis of sex. Actually letting the subject matter look back at her life. There is a scene in RBG where she reads Martin Ginsburg's letters to her. And it's just, oh my god, the tears. Oh, I I kind of wanted some sort of callback to that in on the basis of sex. We did not get it, but we have the documentary to include it. I also included... Uh, my number three is Roll Red Roll, which is a movie I reviewed on the website. So if you want to read my full review, it's on there. It's directed by Nancy Schwartzman, and it's about the Steubenville, Ohio rape case that happened Ooh. a couple years ago. And it's not just looking at the concept of rape culture and the whole boys will be boys type of thing, but also social media and the collusion that went on in this, this small town to essentially protect rapists. And it's a documentary that will make you so angry, but it is fantastic. And I recommend you try to find a way to see it because it's amazing. Um, my number two is another one that did not get a whole lot of love. It's from PJ Raval. It's called Call Her Ganda. It's uh, essentially the story of a Filipina trans woman who is murdered in, um, I think it, it is the Philippines, or it might be Thailand. I forget exactly where it was. It's been a while since I've seen it. Um, but by, by a military um, Marine. And the whole I, the concept of, and I'm fairly certain it's Thailand. I might be wrong. But um, the whole idea of having these military bases in these foreign countries where sex workers are essentially the main form of entertainment, specifically trans 
sex workers and the violence that is perpetuated on them by essentially the U.S. government. It's it's a, again a very angered filled documentary um, about how people are exploited in these foreign countries and you know in a year where we've just as a woman have been battered by just the the dominance of this male patriarchy this was just a documentary that made me angry but it also made me say at least we're talking about how this permeates different areas not just the u.s um but of course my number one is three identical strangers i was so happy i got to see this i think this movie is amazing and i know there's been pushback specifically from people who are adopted and people who were actually included in the documentary who feel their stories were co-opted without their consent. And those are all valid critiques. But I think the story itself is so important. And I'm not going to ruin the actual twist, but it is more than just the story of these three kids who were separated at birth and find themselves. It's, again, this the story of the horrors that can be perpetuated on us by people at the top. You know, it's a very frightening story. I read a lot of books about conspiracy theories and I don't always believe them, but holy shit, when you watch this, you're going to be terrified of anything having to do with science. Um, but but it's amazing. Go watch it. Um, every time I, my mom says that she wants to do one of those 23andMe DNA kits, I tell her, watch this documentary. No, we're not doing that. So those are my five. Again, very great year for documentary, I would say. Yeah. So we're going to move down to best comedy. Lauren and I were talking about this off air. It was really hard to figure out what constituted a comedy because there were movies that had comedic elements or that were satirical. But does that necessarily make them comedic? <laughs> See, for me, um, I think this is entirely true. I'm just going to glance back through my <laughs> list and see before I say this dist distinctively. But um, for yeah, for me, my comedies were the movies that made me laugh out loud, and usually more than once. In fact, always more than once. <laughs> um, well, I have one that I think might be cheating uh, because it is it goes towards that satirical element, but I included it anyway. Um, so why don't we start with Lauren? What are your you, five favorite comedies? All right, so the the criteria that I used for this one, and I just decided that I, was, that I would list things that are definitely, you cannot argue whether or not they're comedies, right? And there's one that maybe yeah. is just a little bit on the edge, but um, whatever, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it. So my, my best comedies are The Spy Who Dumped Me, which uh, is also going to pop up somewhere else on, on, actually a couple of times. Um, a Simple Favor. Paddington 2, which is just the most wonderful film ever in like the, the history of anything. And, you know, if you if you don't love Paddington, I don't know, you have no soul. So I'm just I'm going to assume that Kristen doesn't love Paddington. Um, <laughs> I have not seen either of the Paddington movies. See? And, and I'm certain that you would watch them and be like, I don't like this. And, uh, and I'd be like, OK, because you hate joy. Um <laughs> Uh, Death of Stalin, which I'm counting as, I don't know how you could count it as a drama necessarily because there's so much humor in it. Um, it is a satire though, so I guess that it kind of straddles the line there, but um, I, I just, I fucking adored that film. Uh, and finally, film that I just saw, Dumplin'. And I wanted to put this on here because it is such a good film. It's such a well-made film. It's in the 
kind of category of to all the boys I've loved before is the Netflix uh, sort of light comedies, but it really is moving. I mean, I was getting choked up within about the first 10 minutes of the film and it just goes from there and it's so well done and it's so funny. And Jennifer Aniston is like a great actress and I'm shocked by that. Uh, and I just really want to encourage people to, to like go to Netflix and watch this film. It really is worth it. Well, I'm going to go and do mine next and then we'll let Karen, I'm trying to mix it up. Uh, so I'm going to go with mine and my number five is crazy rich Asians. I rewatched this again, and I do really enjoy it. It's not on my best movies of the year list, but I really enjoy the comedic elements of mixing kind of the, the very specific culture with these broad comedic elements. Um, the one that I thought was cheating is my number four, which is Sorry to Bother You. I think it just skirts the line because it is very black comedy in terms of the humor being very dark and cynical and almost nihilistic at times, but it does exist. Um, and I think a lot of the humor is directed at this kind of corporate industrial complex led by Army Hammer, who is hilariously insane. Um, and, and I had to include it on here. My number three is Ocean's 8. I am a fan of just broad comedy with broads uh, it's very fun it's very feminine but at the same time taking the heist film and pretty much saying that women can be smarter and pull it off and still look really good doing it and i enjoyed it my number two is the spy who dumped me i've watched this movie several times and it's not just because of justin thoreau at this point i just really love the whole movie because a it's all about female friendships and women celebrating women, actively taking time out of shooting things to celebrate each other. And I love Kate McKinnon. It's, it's, she's MVP. And what other movie are you going to get that has crazy 80s uh, gymnasts that go crazy in a rom-com? I think it's great. And my number one is Anna and the Apocalypse. I just saw this the other day and it is high on my list of best movies of the year. I fucking love this movie. It is a zombie musical comedy and it takes all the comedic uh, elements of a musical the random bursting into song having to have dance numbers and puts it in the middle of a zombie invasion and it's also a high school movie so it's about you know young girls wanting to travel the world not go to college and having to deal with parents and boys who are assholes and it's awesome i love this movie and i love the soundtrack and it had to be my number one i don't care who knows it um yeah karen <laughs> what are your five best comedies of the year so it's really funny Kristen, because as i was looking over my categories i realized that there are two films in my drama category that probably could have been in comedy but i thought not. that too yeah i could have <laughs> so, done that yeah so you're totally fine with sorry to bother you um <laughs> My number five is Ocean's 8. Love it. This is one that the first time I watched it, I was really enjoying it, but I didn't fully appreciate how funny it really is. When I watched it again, I could not stop cracking up. So definitely, it's it's so hilarious. I love I love the little the little bits of banter. It's it's not copying what the guys did in the Ocean's movies 
especially between like George Clooney and Brad Pitt, which is also hilarious. It's a totally different way of doing it. And I, I, I just, Sandra Bullock is just a queen of like the one-liners where she just says things that are like, wait, did she just say that? And she's great in this one with that. So um, my number four is Ralph Breaks the Internet, which just, I mean, the princess scene alone is one of the funniest scenes that I've seen in a movie this year. And I think that, that um, we haven't talked about this movie enough. And I think in general, it's kind of, it came and people went, oh, actually, this is really good. But then it disappeared and people stopped talking about it. And I think it's in a weird way. I think it kind of ended up being underrated because of the, like, underrated for how um how feminist it is and the fact that the entire plot centers on literally (laughs) ralph becoming a toxic male and having to be defeated by a girl so um or not defeated but you know whatever anyway um you guys know what i mean um but yeah so i i think that that's a movie that has has been needs to be talked about more Um, my number three is game night which is just so hilarious and unexpected i i thought it was going to be really dumb especially a movie that comes out that early in the year um you never know what you're going to get with them and it's one that there are certain things that happen in it that i just keep coming back to and they're so hilarious and especially jesse plemons and rachel mcadams they are just they're great um, and also that dog, which I am pretty sure is the same dog in Wid- Widows. So maybe that dog is my favorite actress of the year. I don't know. And then, um, where am I at? Number two. Number two is The Spy Who Dumped Me, for sure. We've talked about it a lot. We'll keep talking about it. We're never going to shut up about that movie, so you can't make us. I have a sequel idea ready to go if Susanna Fogel yes. would like it. 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 I bet she would be all ears. I've actually tweeted it. Her and the screenwriter both said that sounded amazing, so they just need to take it and let me hang out on set. Yes, and me too. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's pretty much <laughs> just combining everything from The Leftovers with Girl on a Train in a comedy where they all just have to stop Justin Theroux again. And it would be fantastic. And you could still have Julian Anderson, but we could make Twist and Doubt is the villain. Boom. <laughs> I'm here for it. Let's do it. All right. Perfect. And then my number one, I've seen it three times. It gets better every time. Crazy Rich Asians. I love that movie so much. I love Henry Golding so much. I do too. But I also, so it didn't make my top five, but I just wanted to throw out really quickly that Lauren, my mom and I watched Dumplin' last night and you're right. It it really is so delightful and people need to watch it. Yes. Yes. (laughs) It makes you feel so so warm and fuzzy about like, about uh, beauty pageants and all, and like about <laughs> friendships and mothers and daughters and drag. The queens only thing about it is, I don't understand how they got Dolly Parton to do an original song, but they didn't give her a cameo in the movie. That does not make any sense. Yeah, I really thought that she was going to show up at some point. <laughs> she but, totally but should the, have. We got some of the best Dolly Partons in the world on that screen, anyways. So, oh, yeah. absolutely, it's so true. <laughs> Okay, right, so we're going to move on to Best Drama. This one was pretty easy for me. I, I kind of went with stuff that did not make me laugh. And uh, I will say I'm going to throw out honorable mention for Widows. 
it did it just almost made my list if i had a sixth spot it would have been in there but i had to go with with the other ones that i have on this list so uh my number five is can you ever forgive me i finally caught up with this movie and i was not disappointed melissa mccarthy needs all the awards and Richard E. Grant is great, but I also love how it deals with the struggles of being a writer and feeling blocked and wanting respect and for people to acknowledge your work, but also wanting to make money. Like, I, as, as someone who freelanced full-time this year, I felt for Melissa McCarthy the entire movie. <laughs> I was like, I know this story. This could be me if I was motivated to steal and was not deathly afraid of being accused of a crime. <laughs> so my number four is The Favorite. This could be considered a comedy, I think. That's one of my to. ones where I'm like, oh, I could exactly. go Exactly. Was, was not sure, but I finally found a Yorgos Lanthimos film that I like, that I actually really appreciate. Miracles and happen. Yes, exactly. Uh, it skirts the line of drama and comedy, but I, I had to put it on here. My number three is The Hate You Give. I rewatched The Hate You Give the other day and I cried just as heavily as I did the first time. Um, and I love everything about this movie. I had Russell Hornsby and Amanda Stenberg in my acting categories last episode and this movie is amazing. My number two is On the Basis of Sex. I don't think it's as drama-filled as we expect. I, I know the biggest criticism with the movie is that it's very light. It, but I don't care. I'm putting it on my number two. Um, and my number one, y'all should have expected it. It's blind spotting. Blind spotting is perfect. It. <laughs> it is a perfect movie. It's all the dramas. It's amazing. And I love it so much. So that's my number one. Um, Karen, what are your five favorite dramas of the year? So I also have an honorable mention just because there's one that I really like that's not getting a lot of attention because it has like not had any time in theaters. And that is Stan and Ollie. It's a very sweet movie. It's actually very... It's a lot better than I think a lot of people want to give it credit for. I think it's one that easily can be dismissed as also similar to On the Basis of Sex as being kind of light, but it's really not. And um, and Steve Coogan and John C. Riley and Shirley Henderson and shoot, I'm blanking on her name, the other wife. Um, they're all so great and it's really fun to see a movie that has you know the supportive wife characters that actually have character and they're really they're really great and um and also john c Riley and steve coogan do a really good job playing the parts without just Im doing impressions so that's also something that's tough um but my number five is elizabeth chomko's what they had it's the one about um, Blythe Danner plays a woman with Alzheimer's. Robert Forster plays her husband. And then Michael Shannon and Hilary Swank are her kids. And, of course, they're adults. And it's kind of one of those, what do you do when it's time to parent your parents? And, um, you know, the family trying to figure out what to do with mom, who is at the point where she needs constant care. And they're not necessarily in a position to do that for her. And it's, it really hit close to home for me because it's stuff that we dealt with in my own family with two of my grandparents. And, um, it's, it's such a, it's a small intimate film, but it's really powerful. And the fact that this is a, f a debut from the writer and director 
is really impressive and I think that it's unfortunate how much this has been overlooked because it's a it's a really powerful story um, my number four is hearts beat loud I love it it's sweet it's <laughs> fun just love Nick Offerman. I love Nick Offerman's he beard and his face Nick <laughs> I know he's so great um I also love Kiersey Clemens I love Sasha Lane I you know I just I love this movie um the music is great i just yeah it makes me sad that they're not pushing for that to get in a uh, weren't pushing for it to get a song nomination it's totally out of the running now because it didn't make the short list but so much fun um, my number three is the favorite um i am a big fan of lanthimos and this is still out of the ones that I, i've seen all four of his wide release movies and this is definitely my favorite of the four but um, I just, I, I really love the way that he put his own spin on, um, this story that even a lot of British people don't know about. I got to interview some of the people who worked on it that are from the UK and they're like, I didn't know much about Queen Anne until I had to start researching it for this movie. And it's just so crazy to, to realize that. Um, and then my number two is on the basis of sex. Man, I love that movie. And I've seen it twice, and it's even better the second time. And then my number one, I I agree with everything you said about it, Kristen, and that is Can You Ever Forgive Me? Yay! I'm, I'm, me and Karen are on the same wavelength. I'm for noticing once. that. It's weird. <laughs> it's very weird. Once, once, I start living in the, once I start living in the same vicinity as you, it's it might over. be even weirder. Maybe, I, well, you know, maybe this isn't so bad. Maybe this is me having an influence on you. You're, oh, you're, you're I mean, you're liking Lanthimos now, so. I know. Very weird. I'm working on it. I'm, I'll work on her, Lauren. I promise. All right. I will bring Shut, joy to her heart. Yeah. <laughs> well, Lauren, what are your five best dramas of 2018? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm being an asshole. Um,. <laughs> Oh, you're Lauren. We wouldn't have it any other it's, way. Yeah, it's we what wouldn't. I do. It's what I do. I'm the mean one. Like, let's, let's face it. <laughs> um, I'm a lovely person. Thank you very much. Uh, you are very, you are a lovable curmudgeon. <laughs> uh, all right. So I, I really did not like list these from one to five. So I'm just going to start at the, uh, like just the first one that I wrote down, which was widows. Uh, and, I always have difficult with genre categories because there are things I'm, I'm the same way. I'm like, is this a comedy? Is this, it's really more of a thriller or like an action film. But I, Widows was just one of my favorite movies this year. And I, I like, I can't, I really just want to go see it again. Um, my next one is Beale Street. If Beale Street could talk, which is just a gorgeously photographed film. I mean, we were talking earlier about Roma and Beale Street is, is the same, but in color. Um, and it's it's just gorgeous it's gorgeously acted um it's so well done there were some things that made me a little uncomfortable about the plot but that's kind of the nature of the book anyways uh and and i just think that the barry jenkins did a fantastic job with it it's a great follow-up to moonlight um my next one is blind spotting which i think we've talked about this sort of ad infinitum on this uh podcast so yes blind spotting is amazing if you haven't seen blind spotting you have not lived uh my next have not lived <laughs> go by it. sight unseen 
Um, my next is Can You Ever Forgive Me? Again, I like I would just repeat everything that has been said about this film. Melissa McCarthy is great. Richard E. Grant is great. And it's a wonderful film. It's a wonderful film about people who hate other people uh, and find a certain degree of happiness and love within that. And I like that. Uh, and then finally, The Favorite. Yes, I, I can't believe that I actually not only liked a Yorgos Lanthimos film, but I, but really liked a Yorgos Lanthimos film. And some of that is just is down to him, and some of that is down to the cast, which is fantastic. Yay. Awesome. Yay. I'm so excited that we're on the same wavelength uh, with a lot of these. And I think we're going to sharply diverge with our next two categories and it's actually good we got all the good stuff out of the way because we have time to rail a little bit on the stuff that wasn't that good. <laughs> so we're going to talk about our five overrated and underrated films. Now, this could be five overrated films, five underrated films, a mix. I have a mix. Does everybody have, I have a, mix? a mix? I could I have, have easily done one. five of each, but I have I have a mix. Yay. I'm glad we have a mix. Um, so I'm going to let Lauren go first. What are your overrated, underrated for the year? All right, well, I did actually, I did a whole bunch. Um, in terms of overrated, A Star is Born. Oh, Fuck yes. Oh I didn't have that on my list, but now that you said oh, it, oh my God, yes. Like, that was the first one that, that I put on my list. And here's the thing. I did not, like, I have now reached the point where I actually hate this film. I didn't really hate it when I, I initially went to see it. I didn't like it. I like Lady Gaga in it. And I so I like that part of the film. But the sheer amount of praise that this film has been given, both from like regular audiences and from critics, I'm just like, you people have not seen movies before? Is that it? Like, do you not know what singing sounds like? I don't know how... You can possibly say that this is a, a halfway decent film, much less uh, one that is worthy of Oscar nominations or anything like that, especially for Bradley Cooper. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I now hate A Star Is Born. Um, the my other overrated one is First Reformed, which I, I think we've we've talked about that we talked about this again this week. Uh, it's a terrible film, guys. It is a it it is. I, I think I said on the Slack. It is as though Paul Schrader took Taxi Driver and kind of smushed it together with Diary of a Country Priest and Winter Light and then just lit the whole fucking thing on fire. It's such a badly put together film. It's a badly edited film. It's a badly shot film. It's not a particularly well acted film. Ethan Hawke is not that good in it. Um, and it's viciously misogynist. So I, I, like, I, can't, I can't even fathom why people are giving this film so much praise. Okay, so those are the films that I hate. Uh, the ones that I think really are underrated, I think A Wrinkle in Time is incredibly underrated. Um, it's been Hell given. Yes. It's been given so much, like just first it was dismissed, and then it, it was. I mean, there was some outright hate coming out about this film. And is it the greatest film that Ava DuVernay has ever made? No. Uh, is it the greatest film of the year? No. But it's a really well made. Uh, young adult film it's beautiful it's beautifully photographed it's well acted it's funny it's moving it's very emotional and I think that that's part of why people were so particularly male critics were so reactionary against it like this is there's almost too much emotion or something like that I don't know um, but it, it is a deeply underrated film the uh, the other one that I have on here is Cameron Post the, the miseducation of Cameron Post which is kind of 
gotten subsumed under some of the praise for Boy Erased um, and just really deserved a lot more attention and continues to deserve, to deserve a lot more attention than it's been given, both critically and in, in the public. And I think it didn't really get a great deal of a wide release. It didn't get a lot of promotion. Uh, and it's, it's a better film than Boy Erased when you come down to it. Uh, the final one, I just wanted to put, I just wanted to put this one up there. I loved The Nun. Uh, I think it was very, <laughs> I think it was very maligned. And I had a fucking great time with that film. So I just wanted to say that, like, stop being mean about The Nun. It is a perfectly decent, ridiculous horror film. So leave it alone. <laughs> I'm very glad you put A Star is Born as well as A Wrinkle in Time Star is Born, I think the more I talk about it, the much the more I hate it. I rewatched yeah. it with my little brother, and my little brother, 21 years old, was like, that movie's shit. And I was like, thank you. I am so glad that the youth of America has spoken, and they also think it's shit. Um, and A Wrinkle in Time is just amazing. It's, you know, if it was directed by Paul Schrader, <laughs> I feel like we'd be talking more about it, it right now. If it was directed by Bradley Cooper, we would be talking more about it, apparently. Um, well, I, I maintain, I was rewatching Beyond the Lights on, on the plane yesterday, and that's a better version of A Star is Born. Just go watch that. Um, I'll throw in my underrated overrated, and then we'll do Karen next. Um, so I only had two, uh, overrated movies. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody. The sheer amount of love, just outright love, I feel comes almost as a fuck you to anybody who wants to say Brian Singer is terrible. Like, I feel like people at this point are praising it so that they can piss you off. Um, you know, it, I just, I feel that the praise for it is because people love Queen and they're willing to take that in whatever form it's presented to them. When, it, when really what Brian Singer does is a really lazy, cheap cover band of Queen. You were better off watching Queen videos on your TV and getting the real thing than this Freddie Mercury, definitely was a drug addict, was a full-blown asshole, definitely banged a couple ladies, so, you know, that gay thing he just dabbled in. Uh, I, and the fact that Brian Singer is just allowed, a, again, a pass, because people enjoy Queen, I just, the whole thing pisses me off. Um, my other overrated movie is Vox Lux. I know Karen and I were there. Uh, I'm still having Vox nightmares Lux, from it. Vox Lux, I feel, is a movie that is made for art house critics that want to say, oh, I got it. If you didn't like it, then you didn't get it. I got it. I got what Brady Corbett's trying to say about celebrity, and I feel he does it in the most scummy, exploitative, bullshit way possible. There is nothing good in this movie. Um, it's not in my worst of the year, because I feel like there's enough glitter and whiz-bang to keep you, like, at least saying how much you hate it but you're still watching it it's like aquaman <laughs> if aquaman was just pretentious um so yeah my underrated though uh sorry to bother you i feel is not being discussed enough a part of that i think is because boots riley continues to shoot himself in the foot on social media about it and but at the same time it's still a really good movie that has a lot to say about the job market and gentrification and just this concept of like corporations wanting to run their employees lives outside of work being very dangerous um 
can't, I know Lauren had the nun. I also had a horror movie on here that I felt was underrated. The first purge. I feel that the purge movies are getting better in reverse. Um, each subsequent one is better than the last. And this, ver this um, prequel I thought was brilliant. It came out early in the year, I believe. Um, and it, I mean, it set up just this bleak, bleak, I almost called it a documentary, I think, because it's that biting looking at our society and how we are a fucking hair's breadth away from having the purge in our own backyard. Uh, and I think it's, dare I say, I think it's brilliant at times with the social commentary. Yes, it's as blunt as a brick to the face, but I think that's what we need. And it's what we needed at the beginning of this year. So I think it's it's really good. Uh, and my another underrated one that I have is Anna and the Apocalypse. Again, a zombie comedy musical that is just so charming and cheery at times and delightful, while at the same time saying that it's about millennials having to realize that they are smarter than their parents and that their parents cannot protect them and in some cases let them down completely. Uh, I, I love this movie so much. Um, yeah. Karen, what are your overrated, underrated of beer? Okay, so um, on my overrated, you guys have actually already talked about a couple of them, and that's A Star is Born, First Reformed, and Bohemian Rhapsody. All three of those can just go away. I'm done talking about them. Hopefully, I'm happy for the year to over. start anew and make us forget them. Yes, exactly. At least after Oscars, whatever. Um, but I do have two others that I think definitely need to be included in this, and that is Green Book, which... Every time someone tells me how much they love that movie, I roll my my eyes so far back into my head. Like, oh my gosh, kill me, please. And mid-90s, which I know was not, like, super, like, highly praised, but it got enough praise that was really annoying because that movie's not good. Um, and then for my underrated, I actually have kind of a blend of underrated and underseen because... Um, Widows is on my list, not because it didn't do well with critics, it did, but because just not enough people saw it, and I don't understand why. This is a movie that should have just killed at the box office, and it did not, and it's so good, and um, I I just I don't understand why it didn't do better. Um, and then A Wrinkle in Time, of course, uh, you guys talked about that um, so well that I don't think I really have anything more to add to what you said. Um, but I also have a couple others. Oh, The Spy Who Dumped Me. Lauren, you already talked about that one. Um, a Simple Favor and Bad Times at the El Royale. Oh, yeah. Oh, god damn. I forgot that people slept on Bad Times at the El Royale. Oh, I know. So I, I just yes. live in a world where everybody saw it and it was a massive hit. <laughs> it should have been. It should have been such a huge hit and it wasn't. And I just, ugh, I just want to make everyone watch it. I have a giant box of something from Bad Times at the El Royale under my Christmas tree right now. <laughs> and I'm dreaming that it's Chris Hemsworth that's going to pop out of the box. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's, <laughs> I mean, actually, all of those that, you're, that you mentioned, Karen, they were all just very poorly marketed. I think that Bad Times at the El yeah. Royale mm -hmm. was marketed like it was this Tarantino movie when it's it's different. It's something very different. It should have been marketed more as like a cabin in the woods movie. And I think it would have done a little bit better. We didn't do yeah. a garbage person of the year. And I think that that winner is marketing. The marketing people this year were kind of terrible. Yeah. With thanks, Bob. A lot of thanks for movies. nothing. 
<laughs> yeah, market movies better in 2019, damn it. So that leads us to our worst films of the year. We only did five. If I had my way, I'd have done more than five. Uh, no, I didn't see a hundred movies that were bad, thank God. Um, but what what I saw that was bad was horrifically bad. So this is what I consider the worst of the worst. And, oh dear Lord. Um, so actually, you know what? Karen's the happiest. So I'm going <laughs> to let Karen do this first. I'm really curious, actually, if I've even seen any of the movies that are on your worst list. Because you see movies that I do not. So I Are you saying that I have terrible taste and no. that I tend to, yes. tend to follow my groin to certain movies? Yes. Because that I, is true. <laughs> I don't need to say that because you say it for me. Um. <laughs> exactly. If you can't say something nice, just say it about yourself and that no one else can say it about you. Exactly. Um, I did see over 100 movies this year. Thankfully, most of those were good or at least watchable and I would watch them again. But here are five movies that can burn in hell and I never want to speak of again. Uh, Number five, Sicario, Day of the Soldado. Number four, I don't even want to talk about them. I'm just going to say how bad they are. (laughs) Number four, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, burn in hell. Number three, Vice. <laughs> Fuck you, Adam McKay. <laughs> Number two, The Predator. Ugh. Whoa. Oh, I forgot. With Boyd, with Boyd Kina Hunnamski. Got it. <laughs> exactly. I forgot that movie even existed. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> and then, the very worst movie I saw in 2018, It I saw it back in like March. Nothing has been worse than this. This movie is so bad and it thinks it's hilarious and it's not it's aggressively offensive to women to minorities to people of color to um mexico to america to everybody on the planet and that is gringo that movie is terrible (laughs) and it makes i was waiting for her to be like it's offensive to sea otters (laughs) actually as you mention it um no but it makes me really sad that poor delightful david oyelowo has to have that on his resume because he's way too good for that movie. And so he's is gonna Charlie buy, Theron. He's going to hire the guy that gets rid of the bad Yelp reviews to get that off of his IMDb. <laughs> yes. Those are mine. <laughs> um, so I'll do, I'll do mine next, um, because why not? Um, so the movies that I saw this year that were bad, there were a lot of movies I saw that I was like, that's garbage. Let's, uh, you know, there were no movies that I saw that were really just like middling. Like, I was like, oh, that's bad, but whatever. Like, no. What I tended to see that was bad was horrifically bad. So, Amy Schumer is really lucky that there were five other movies that were worse than hers. Okay? (laughs) So, congrats, Aim. So, my number five, Red Sparrow. Don't at me, Jennifer Lawrence Stans. It was shit. And I feel like any person who says it's great is either a J-Law Stan or a person with a dick. Because they really just wanted to see Jennifer Lawrence's tits. I thought it was awful. Her Russian accent is like Boris and Natasha. And I hated it. Thanks, I hate it. Um, (laughs) Number four. I hated putting this on, but I also remembered I hated this movie. Life Itself, (laughs) which is now available to watch on Prime. 
<laughs> Every time I turn my TV on because I have a fire TV, it reminds me that I can watch this movie again. And I say, fuck <laughs> you, damn it. This movie is um, one of two movies this year that says that if your husband, boyfriend, next door neighbor is mentally ill, that he just loves you too much. And you should really be flattered by it um, until he blows his brains out. Um, sorry. Over your death. But... I mean, it's because he loved her so much. Fuck that, okay? <laughs> Oscar Isaac owes me, okay? He fucking owes me. I will take my refund in Bitcoin if he would like to use that, okay? <laughs> he broke my heart. Literally, my heart, if it was a cookie, it would be crushed into crumbs right now. <sighs> my number three. It's real bad. It's real fucking bad. <laughs> Literally, I wish a bus had hit me. Like, that's how bad it was. Um, Number three. Sicario Day of the Soldado. Um, it's a Trump tweet put into a two-hour movie. Taylor Sheridan, I still hate you. I don't care how many movies you put John Bernthal in to die. I hate you. Um, this movie is like literally the worst thing that we needed in 2018. Um, so if if you like Red Sparrow, you probably like Sicario too. Uh, number two was Under the Silver Lake. It is a real movie that exists, and holy shit, is it bad. It is both offensive and misogynistic at the same time. And it's a movie about how, ladies, did you want to bone Andrew Garfield? Well, who cares if you don't, because this movie's going to tell you that you definitely want to. Every single woman wants to get down with his Spider-Man, okay? And it is just offensive, and I hated it. And I know that I love L.A. set old-fashioned murder mystery type of things. This is like if somebody watched Mulholland Drive while stoned and said, I could make that movie. Yeah, it just doesn't have enough tits in it. And, like, nobody wants to fuck the man enough. So I should make that movie again. <sighs> and my number one... Can we all guess what my number one is? I've talked about how much I've hated this movie several times. No? No? It's mute. Oh, mute yeah, is the worst no. movie. <laughs> Mute, I feel, is the worst movie of the last 20 years. It's awful. It now is. I want to watch it. I've had so many people say, well, you say how bad it is. I want to watch it. I am trying to save you people, okay? <laughs> it is so grotesque. It is grotesque. They don't understand. They fridge a woman. Sweet Jesus, they fridge a woman in the first, like, 15 minutes of the movie. Okay, they play gay for laughs. Do you know that all gay people are pedophiles? Because they are in this movie, and they're played by Justin Theroux in a shitty fucking wig who's propositioning a seven-year-old. And it's fucking horrid! <laughs> it has a line in it that literally almost caused me to vomit, and I love Justin Theroux, but again, I'll take my money in Bitcoin or whatever because... My apologies to Jeremy Irons and High Rise. You can say that word anytime you want, okay? Because as long as you are talking about a seven-year-old, I am totally fine with it. Fuck oh mute. I hate it. Ugh. Wow. <laughs> I've been holding that in since 2018 started. Wow. Do you feel better? I feel... I feel cleansed. I feel like I've been exercised right now, so... Ooh, can't hurt me anymore. Lauren, what is your five worst of the year? Uh, I mean, actually, I two two of them overlap with my 
overrated. A Star is Born and First Reformed. I and actually sitting around like listening to all this, I'm like, man, most of these I haven't actually seen because people have told me that they were bad. So I was like, I don't need to see those movies. And so I feel really good about that. That I like have just not seen a lot of really terrible films this year. Um, I'm gonna be really unpopular and say Infinity War. <laughs> I fucking hated Infinity War so much and I think some of it was that it was so built up and I got there and I was like oh this is exactly what I've been terrified all of the Avengers movies were going to be like but it's really just this one it's a bunch of cameos that have no meaning in any world and then it just ends you're just like oh everybody's dead oh but they're not really dead because we've got timey-wimey stuff going on Oh, because we're just going to retcon the entire fucking thing. Who cares? Who cares about any of this? Why am I watching this? Why is this still a thing? Uh, so, yeah, I fucking hated Infinity War. And I was... I, I maintain that Infinity War is just the leftovers. It's not, and it's that... not a real movie. Like, there, it has... You know, back when I was doing creative writing at university and every... And, one of my professors was always like, what is at stake? You have to decide what are your characters after? What is at stake in the narrative? There is nothing at stake in that fucking narrative because they can just fix everything. Ugh. But that, we don't know that, Lauren. Yes. That's why it's going to be the leftovers yes. and we're going to spend the whole movie being really sad and existential about the, the notion of life and death and what it all means. And then it's just going to end with nothing being solved. Yeah. yeah, I hate it. But you learned a lot. <laughs> uh, and my final one, and I'm so sorry because this is actually from one of my favorite directors, The Other Side of the Wind. Uh, oh, I, knew, so bad. Yeah. I knew going in that it was not going to be a good movie. I, but I was, I hoped, and I sat there and I was like, "Yep, this is this is a bad movie. This is a very bad movie." And I, I do just want to ask all of the fanboys who are like. Why isn't Orson Welles getting nominated for Best Director? It's like, because it's a bad movie and Orson Welles only sort of semi-directed it and it's a bad fucking movie and you obviously have not watched enough Orson Welles films, you goddamn morons. There is no way that this is a good film. Like, just remove yourself. If it, if it didn't have Orson Welles' name attached, we'd be like, this is a bad student film. I just, I don't, I don't yep. get it. I why 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 did this happen why did they do it why did they fix that film they should have just left it in the vaults yeah poor orson <laughs> so i think we've cleansed ourselves of the <laughs> terrible and hopefully movies will be better next year or not um but we're gonna we're gonna do our do we want to do best films of the year or do our collective films about women well, we're going to do that one the very last, because that's okay. all of us together came up with. Got it. So we're going to do our best overall. These are our top ten films of the year. Um, so let's go with Lauren. Why don't you give us your top ten best of the year? All right. And yet again, this is in no particular order, because I hate ranking films. Uh, so my top ten are Can You Ever Forgive Me, Blind Spotting, A Simple Favor, uh, The Favorite, Widows, Death of Stalin, Suspiria, which deserves so much more love, um, Black Klansman, Black Panther, and uh, The Rider, which is still, uh, that's another very underrated film, although it has, it did get a lot of good reviews, and a lot of good critical attention. 
Karen, what's your top 10 of the year? So I have like 22 movies for my top 10. This is really <laughs> hard for me, but I'm only going to give 10. <laughs> um, uh, and a few of these I've already mentioned so far tonight. Uh, Bad Times at the El Royale. Like I basically took movies that I like cannot wait to watch again, even if I've seen them more than once already. Um, so Bad Times at the El Royale, On the Basis of Sex, Mission Impossible Fallout, Hearts Beat Loud, Black Klansman, Crazy Rich Asians, A Simple Favor, The Favorite, Can You Ever Forgive Me, and Mary Poppins Returns. I feel like I really missed an opportunity to just put Henry Cavill and Fallout in like all my categories last week. <laughs> Even like the sex I'm, and dad one. I'm he's shocked not, you didn't. I'm shocked I, I apparently I fail, okay? Who would have thought you don't love him in, as much as you think you do? Okay, can we just remember the fact that in 2018, Henry Cavill ended up being my favorite thing of the year and Oscar Isaac shit on my heart. <sighs> Metaphorically speaking, at least. <laughs> so my my top 10, as Karen mentioned, the, the caveat was, you know, we see a lot of movies. So if I recall your movie at the end of the year and or I've watched it more than once, then you have made a movie that I really enjoy. So my number 10 is A Quiet Place. I still really enjoy how this movie is put together, how it utilizes disability, the fact that John Krasinski is, oh my god, um, the fact that Emily <laughs> Blunt gave birth, totally silent with possible tetanus. Like, that's that's great. Um, number nine is Black Panther. I find it funny that Black Panther ended up being just at the bottom of my ten, but obviously I need to rewatch it again. I don't know. Um, it, it's Marvel at its best, I think. Great villain, Michael B. Forever. Um, Letitia Wright. I mean, there was a reason that those characters made my acting list uh, last week. Um, eight is Hereditary. Yes, it kind of shits the bed at the end, but I slept with my TV on for four days because this movie freaked me out. So, mark of a good I horror film. I don't understand that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe it's naked old people are very frightening to me as is Anne Dowd oh so. see I took care of my grandma when she was dying and so that's nothing to me now <laughs> oh yes you know old people are inherently frightening old people and children I feel you know what you never know you never know with them okay <laughs> seven is can you ever forgive me again it's it's great I think everything that we've already said about it holds true six is the favorite um, five is a simple favor. I love this movie so much. I love Blake Lively in this movie. Love everything also, about it. I also just want to jump in and say this is the movie that caused Paul Feig to send us personal messages, Kristen. I know. <laughs> I don't know. I like, I, I think amazing. him and I actually had a conversation for a couple mm -hmm. minutes. I know it was an amazing moment. One of my Ugh, favorite he's, parts of 2018. He's an honorary dame. Um, four is The Hate You Give. Three is Bad Times at the El Royale. Yes, this did not make my number one or my number two, but it's still perfect. Still perfect in my book. Two is On the Basis of Sex. It was everything that was literally made with me in mind. And my number one, say it with me now, is Blind Spotting. Uh, still fantastic. Um, I think I would have, it's tied with Anna and the Apocalypse, but I didn't want to put ties on here. Um, but 
But yeah, Anna and the Apocalypse not in your tent at all. I know, because I literally just realized that when I spit everything out of my mouth. I knew there was a reason (laughs) Krasinski got cut, and then I added him back in because I didn't have... Yeah, whatever. So, so technically, I would have tied Anna and the Apocalypse with blind spotting, but blind spotting is still my number one. It's it's brilliant. Uh, Karen, I already did mine. Lauren, <laughs> I, I did mine too. We're done with that. So let's just move on. I'm still really pissed that I'm looking at this list here and I'm saying, why didn't I put Anna and the Apocalypse on here? God damn it. Uh, next year, I will be better prepared. Mm, okay. Uh, I love how Karen says that with complete disbelief. Yeah, she totally will. Totally. <laughs> so, no, we have a new category. <laughs> Yep. Uh, we have a new category that we invented this episode. Uh, we wanted to spotlight the movies about women that celebrated women that we really enjoyed. Some of these are directed by women. So we did a collective list. This is with all of our input included. Um, and Karen has the list. So Karen, why don't you share our top 10 or is it 10? Yep. Top 10 films about women that we loved this year. Okay, so yeah, I just wanted to say this is something that the four of us, we talked about this, we collectively came up with a list. So this is akin to like, you know, AFI's top 10 films of the year. It's like that. So we we talked about films about women throughout the year. We have a few honorable mentions and then we have our 10 and we did not rank them. I'm going to say them in alphabetical order. Um, but our honorable mentions, ones that we really liked, uh, at least one or two of us liked that didn't quite make it, were Mary, Queen of Scots, Suspiria, Annihilation, and Dumplin'. Um, these are all films that we feel are, uh, they have good representation, not only of women as characters, um, but just the way that they, uh, the films themselves, the themes, everything about it, it's, they're very positive for women. And so as I'm going through these, we can talk about each film um, for a second. Um, so we've got Can You Ever Forgive Me, which I think ended up on all of our top 10 lists. Yeah. I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Um, Crazy Rich Asians, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, Henry Golding, <laughs> call me. Um, the Favorite, Ocean's Eight. On the Basis of Sex, A Simple Favor, The Spy Who Dumped Me, To All the Boys I've Loved Before, Widows, and A Wrinkle in Time. Yeah. And how many of those were maligned by male critics this year? Um, all of them? Well, uh, Widows probably wasn't. So widows, yeah, I don't think a lot that. of people like, but yeah. most of them have been, yeah. I, I had a friend watch The Spy Who Dumped Me, a, a male friend and he hated it and i was like well it's official we can't be friends anymore i don't know how you can hate that film (laughs) i don't know why people hate that i don't know why men hate it i i literally was like did you side with justin thoreau in that movie did you feel that he was justified that's the only thing i Uh, can think of the thing is that men have never had to deal with that deflating feeling of someone saying you're a bit much yeah (laughs) There's something so powerful in that scene. Like, it's, like 
I felt the the oxygen sucked out of my lungs just in that moment. But then there's so much of that in that movie that is just so real. And that the script is like, I mean, it just, I, th- I think honestly, and I hate it when people just throw this out as the excuse, but I think that a big part of the reason that men didn't love the spy who dumped me or a number of these movies is honestly because they don't get it because they yeah. don't understand women. Yeah, and well, and we talked a lot about. I think we talked about this when we when we originally talked about the spy who dumped me, and when we talked about um, uh, definitely a, a simple favor, and maybe even Ocean's Eight or Suspiria or some of those others. That all of these films really do well represent the way that women actually talk to each other, um, mm-hmm. and the things that they say, and the things that we talk about, and the way that we relate to one another, and that's something that is very unusual to see in Hollywood. Um, But it's also not something that it seems a lot of male critics want to deal with. They don't want to think about the fact that, you know, we, you know, we are kind of sitting around making fun of you a lot. Like we are, you know, we are talking about men, but we're also talking about a lot of other things. We're talking about, you know, our lives. We're talking about the, you know, our relationships to each other, our past relationships, all of that stuff. And, a lot of men just really don't believe that that is what women talk or the way that they talk to each other. And all of these films have that. Yeah, exactly. Just like so no. I've it's actually so had conversations about a couple of these films with men who are like, well, women just don't think that way. Um, I'm a woman telling you I think this yeah, way. It's like, no, we literally do. That That's what we're saying. Mm-hmm. We do exactly. think this way, and I think that maybe that frightens you a little bit, and you don't want to believe it. Yeah, and they don't know how to deal with it. It's good. People need to watch it and stop People need being to watch a pain in my ass. Yeah. Yes, watch all of them. This was a really, and I feel that that's I, again. I said this earlier when I was putting together my list. Like, it's great to see so many movies with women of color, directed by women, directed by people of color. Like, this was a more mainstream year to get those movies. And I love the fact that we had to narrow it down to 10. Yeah. yeah. There were a lot of films that could have made it into this list. A lot of films that were in the conversation and the fact that we had to narrow it down that, that does show progress. We've still got a long way to go, but we're taking steps. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's going to close out this episode. We will be back next time with our most anticipated films of 2019 <sighs> hopefully there is some good stuff on that list i'm hoping um and that. we will also uh, we will also be revisiting our most anticipated of 2018 and reading them back <laughs> and realizing w- whether we were right or wrong to have anticipated <laughs> them in the first place um karen actually has the list i don't remember what i put oh, on I my list wait last to year remind you because it's a good one <laughs> I think does it have is life, my favorite. Does, is life itself on the list? I'm not going to tell you. You have to wait. Fuck, it's on the list. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Um, but I think I had... It's I'm not. probably had something terrible on there. Um, anywho. So <laughs> that's going to end this episode. Um, you can get in touch with us. Uh, listen to the podcast on uh, citizendame.podbean.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you are listening on iTunes, then consider helping us out by giving us a rating and a review. If you want to get in touch with us via Twitter, you can do that at Citizen Dame Pod. 
We also have our Facebook, which is facebook.com slash citizen dame. If you want to send us an email with your questions, comments, suggestions, you can email us at citizendamepod at gmail.com. We have our official website, which is citizendamepod.com, which we have all sorts of writing from us. Karen or Kim does her thirst traps and her feminist Fridays. Lauren does her game struck column looking at the classic films you can stream on other services. Uh, I did my recent interview with Sophia Takal, uh, who is Blumhouse's first female horror director. You can read the full interview on the website. We also have our Citizen Dame top fives. What I did for love, which Karen is actually up next month to do one. (laughs) (laughs) And as well as the show notes. So if you want to find out links, watch trailers, all of that is on our website. If you want to buy some merch, we have a Zazzle store at Zazzle.com slash Citizen Dame. Somebody actually bought something, guys. Yay! Yay! So you can get our logo slapped on a t-shirt. You can get some of our Chalamet, my Chalamet sayings on pins. And of course, the Miss Your Pine logo on mugs and notebooks. I keep shilling for that notebook. Nobody's actually bought it. The Miss Your Pine collection is amazing. (laughs) Okay. And it took a lot of hard work on Photoshop. So support it and buy it. That's Zazzle.com slash Citizen Dame. And if you're interested in supporting us directly with your money, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash citizen dame. We have all sorts of stuff on there that is accessible only to patrons. We are working hard at editing our Suicide Squad audio commentary that's going to be up only for the patrons to listen to, as well as updates on what we're doing. You can get merchandise if you become a patron. If you submit, uh, if you pay just $3, we'll send you our, one of our snazzy citizen dame buttons. And we have a bunch of other stuff on there that you can listen to and enjoy. So patreon.com slash citizen dame. And you can always follow us individually. I am on Twitter at journeys underscore film. Kim Pierce is at K Pierce 624, 649. What is it? 624. It's too late for me to be remembering numbers. Lauren, where are you on Twitter? I am at Yes, I know it's 730. It's 1030 here. 1030. Yes, I'm exactly. And I'm tired. I am at LH Business. <laughs> hey, Karen. I don't even know anymore. I am, <laughs> I am at Karen M. Peterson. And I love how everybody's saying it with such just. And if you go to my Instagram, dang. you can see my picture with Ryan Gosling. so that's gonna close out this episode we're gonna i'm not sure how long the break is gonna be i'm gonna be moving so i will not have access to the internet i know me and karen will be moving we will not be moving into the same house but we will be moving (laughs) um so so we're gonna have to wait till internet is restored um but we will be back with our most anticipated 2019 as well as a whole new year of regular episodes talking about probably catching up on stuff we missed there was a men in black trailer guys we did not talk about so that needs to be priority number one on the next it's regular pretty show amazing that's all we have it's pretty amazing okay it's, it's a lot of chris hemsworth wearing button downs and i'm just like oh, holy shit man i can't i can't Everyone's handle it okay we didn't talk about that movie we didn't talk about sexy jafar i mean we got a lot of shit to to catch up on next next episode mostly just thirst related stuff but whatever <laughs> uh, so that's 
that's going to end this episode. Have a great Christmas if you celebrate, as well as a safe and happy new year. And the Citizen Dames will be back in 2019. Bye. Oh my God, there's one left. I know, I see, I see. Oh, okay. Why are you using the turn signal? You're literally telling them where we're going. Sorry, it's a force of habit. It's a bad habit. No, it's a good habit in most circumstances. It is a very good habit. How was your day at work? Grim. Spent most of the day explaining the difference between your possessive and your apostrophe RE to college juniors. I can see how that might drive a man over the edge. I know, right? None for the Queen. What? Well, you cannot have hot chocolate. Your stomach, the sugar inflames it. Abigail, hand me that cup. Do not. I'm sorry. I do not know what to do. Oh, fine. Give it to her. And then you can get a bucket and a mop for the aftermath. Going through. Lee Israel. It's Jack Hawk. Last time I saw you, thank you. We were both pleasantly pissed at some horrible book party. Am I right? It's slowly flooding back to me. You're friends with um, Julia Steinberg? Yeah. She's not an agent anymore. She died. She did? Jesus, that's young. Maybe she didn't die. Maybe she just moved back to the suburbs. I was confused there, too. No, that's right. She got married and had twins. Better to have died. Indeed. Our go date is in three days, the night of the debate. Now, all of our work is worth nothing if we don't move this money in fast. The notebook says $5 million. That's exactly the amount of money Mulligan was accused of taking in commission kickbacks. So over here, we have $2 million, 20 Tupperware boxes. Each box has $100,000 in $100 bills. It weighs 44 pounds. Now, over here, we have $2 million. 40 Tupperware boxes. Each box has $50,000 in $50 bills. It weighs 88 pounds. I feel like I'm in school. Tell me about it. We got to start thinking like professionals. We're in business together. There's not going to be some cozy reunion. After this job, we're done. We have three days to look and move like a team of men. The best thing we have going for us is being who we are. Why? Because no one thinks we have the balls to pull this off.